Good morning. Good morning. I am Pastor Mike Toomey. I'm one of your pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church. It's a joy, it's a delight for me to be with you on this day. We're entering into a new sermon series called Just Emotions. Just Emotions. Um, just let, a little background about what we're going to be doing here. Um, our emotions are a gift from God. They are a godly gift. They're there for a reason. They help us be part of our, our, our the, the image of God as we share the image of God in this world. But sin has often distorted our emotions and can twist them into something that can become very unhealthy. So what we're going to be doing is exploring the role of emotions in the life of a Christian person here on earth. And how does Jesus take our emotions and redeem them so that we can use them for the sake of the kingdom of God? Today I'm going to focus on one particular emotion, and that emotion is love. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today, love. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Your love poured out on a cross, your love to defeat the powers of death. Heavenly Father, be with us as we love the people of this world and help us as we serve them in Jesus' name and as we follow him. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said. This past week was Holy Week. It was awesome. It was joyous. It was a week when we celebrated the love of God. On Thursday, we celebrate the love of God in Jesus Christ as Jesus gives us himself. What does he say to us? This is my body. This is my blood. Eat and drink of it, all of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. This is the love of God in Jesus as he gives himself away. It is the love of God when Jesus humbles himself. He gets down on his hands and his knees and he washes the feet of the disciples. This is the love of God that looks the devil in the eye and says, go what you're going to do and do it quickly. This is the love of God that will not be defeated. On Good Friday, we celebrate the love of God in Jesus Christ. When Jesus gives his life for your sake and mine, taking our sin upon his shoulders and dying our death so that we need not die. This is the love of God in action. This is the crux, the cross of where everything happens. Remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The Father gives you and me everything in Jesus, and Jesus gives us everything he's got, even his very life, so that you and I might be righteous, that we might have a life-giving relationship with our Father in heaven. And on Easter, the love of God overcomes even death itself and gives us the promise of everlasting life. God is love. And you and I, we too were created to love. On Monday, Thursday, what did Jesus tell his disciples? What does he say to you and me? Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. 
Later on, John would write similar words to a, to a church, and he would tell them to love. And for any of you that have ever been to a Christian Bible camp, you have had these words sung to you. You've had to sing them until they are emblazoned upon your heart and mind. Let me speak them to you. Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. You and I, we are called to live in love and to love. The problem is this. We don't even know what love means. We don't. The English language is of no help at this point. In the English language, most of us have the concept of 171,000 words, and we have one word to express a range of emotions and actions this wide. For example, I've heard many gentlemen say this, I love cheeseburgers. And in the very next breath, they say, I love my wife. Tell me, which one is it? Tell me, which one, which one is it? See, I might say something about your wife, but it probably says more about how you and you love. There's a Jewish rabbi by the name of Tversky, Rabbi Tversky, great, great name for a rabbi. Um, and he, he tells this parable, and we've shared it here before, but it, it works so well. I want you to hear it again. Rabbi Tversky tells of a rabbi who met a young man. And the young man was fishing. He said, tell me, what are you doing? The young man said, fishing. Tell me about fishing, the rabbi said. Well, I love to fish. Why do you love to fish? Well, I love to catch the fish. I love the struggle. I love the fight. I, I, I love to clean them. I love to, to cook them. I love to eat them. I love fishing. And the rabbi said to the man, you do not love fish. You love yourself. Think about that for a moment. The, the young man did not love the fish. I mean, the fish really does not appreciate this part of the process. He loves himself. He wants to consume the fish. That's what you and I so often think of, of love. It's this kind of this all-consuming thing where we take it all in. That's not love. Love is when we serve. Love is when we give praise to God and not focus on ourselves. Love is when we get down on our hands and knees and we wash our, our neighbor's feet. It's when we humble ourselves and love the people of this world just as Jesus did. Folks, even Peter was struggling with this idea. Peter had experienced the resurrected Jesus. He had been there. He had denied Jesus. He had seen the empty tomb, and he had now seen the resurrected Jesus, wounds and all. And he is still struggling with how to love in this world. And so what does he do? He says to the disciples, I'm going fishing. And James and John, they think this is a great idea. So they hop along, they get in the boat with them and they fish all the way through the night and they use their nets and they use their boats and, and some wise guy from the shore says, have you caught anything? And they're ver very early in the morning, they say, no. How many of you have experienced a fishing trip like that? Well, yeah, 
They got skunked. So the guy from the shore says, well, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat? This is starting to sound familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like something that happened in the beginning of the gospel. But they decide to anyway. I mean, one more cast. Why not? One more cast, and all of a sudden that net is filled with fish, and Peter recognizes the guy on the shore. That's Jesus over there. And so he jumps out of the boat, and he swims the shore to meet Jesus. And the meanwhile, James and John are like, we got to get these fish in the boat, and we got to row back. The guy left us all alone. They get to shore, and Jesus already has fish. I find that hilarious. No boat, no nets. He's already got the fish, and he's got them cooked. And when they had finished eating breakfast, this is when Jesus begins to talk some seriousness to Peter. Yeah, Peter's denied him three times, and he needs to be uplifted three more times. But this is a conversation about what love looks like in action in a Christian person. When they had finished eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now the word for love that Jesus is using is kind of this love, agape type love. It's, a, it's that love that gets down on your hands and knees and serves. It's the one that washes feet. It's the one that gives yourself away. It's the one that sent Jesus to the cross. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And then all of a sudden, a bunch of Christians for, for a millennia have thought that then these meant the other disciples. Do you love me more than the other disciples? And it's probably not the very best translation. If you focus on the story, the whole story, it's probably more like this. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than you love these 153 fish that you just caught? Do you love me more than the nets? Do you love me more than the boat? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. And the word for love that Peter uses here is, I have a strong brotherly like connection to you. I have a strong brotherly affection for you. And that's not what Jesus was asking. Jesus wasn't asking how Peter felt. He was asking what Peter would do. But Jesus redeems that. If you have that strong brotherly affection for me, I want you to do something because that's what love does. It does something. I, I want you to feed my lambs. So now Jesus comes back and again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you, do you, do you love me with that type of love that, that serves and then he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have a strong brotherly affection for you. Apparently, Peter didn't get it, but Jesus is again going to redeem them and remind him that love does something. It's not just a feeling, but it becomes active. And he says, tend my lambs. Tend my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Shepherd them serve them. 
And a third time, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this time, he, Jesus says, do you have a strong brotherly kind of connection, affection for me? I mean, Jesus is going, he ain't getting it, but he's going to really get it again. And, and this is when Peter starts getting his feelings all hurt. And he, he was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know all things and you know that I have a strong brotherly connection to you. And Jesus really gets into him at this point and says, okay, that love, yes, needs to take action. Feed my sheep. Do something with it. Very truly, I tell you, and this is how, this is how Peter's going to do it decades later. This is one of the ways that Peter's going to feed the sheep. This is one of the ways that Peter is going to be a shepherd. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went to where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would die to glorify God. Jesus redeems our feelings of love and affection. And he tells us and frees us to turn them into action, just like Jesus. St. Paul, when he wrote his letter to the church in Corinth, said the same thing. How many of you, um, if you're married, had this particular verses or some of these verses read at your wedding? My wife and I, we did. They sound good. They're, they're, they're a little love text, right? It's more than just weddings. But one of the things I do at, at weddings to, to couples that choose this is um, I take out the word love and I insert their names in here. So I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to say you. And whenever I say you, I want you to mentally insert your name into the text. You are patient. You are kind. You do not envy. You do not boast. You are not proud. You do not dishonor others. You are not self-seeking. You are not easily angered. You keep no record of wrongs. You do not delight in evil, but you rejoice in the truth. You always protect. You always trust. You always hope. And you always persevere. This is what love is. It does something. It is active. It is exciting. How many of you grew up with Mr. Rogers? I did. One of the best public theologians out there that taught children what it meant to love. This is what he is quoted. This is one of his most popular quotes that's around right now. And he says this, that love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like struggle. Love does something. Another author by the name of Bob Goff, he wrote a book, and that's the title, Love Does. I encourage every single person to read that book because he, he absolutely gets it because it's basically as Jesus did, we do. Love does something. Jesus takes our feelings and emotions and he can redeem them and use them for his glory and to draw others into a life-giving relationship with them. 
One of my best friends at seminary, um, he, he just reminded the entire world of how lovesick he was when he was in college, and I'll even say this, when he was in seminary too. He, he, he reminded everyone, he plastered this all over the internet, and he said that when he first met his to-be wife, he was lovesick, his grades plummeted, he wasn't able to think, and then he said he got better and went to seminary. I, I, I'm going to argue with him, he didn't get better till later. You know what this guy did? Because he, he, we each had to take four or five classes every semester and write a paper for each class. He wrote one mega paper that encompassed all the classes and turned one paper into each of those. I had to write 100 pages a semester. He wrote 20. I'm still upset. He's a smart guy. He was able to do that, but uh, man, he was he lovesick. He was love sick. But God redeemed that. God moved in that. And 25 years later, he is a loving, devoted, kind husband. God does that. I grew up here in Fargo. I, I love this community. I have a strong feeling of affection for the people of this particular region. So when I was in college, in my senior year, it was 1997, and we had a spring kind of like what we're having right now. In fact, it was a whole lot worse and we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. A college roommate, he was smarter and he was better at this act of kind of loving than I was. And he said, let's go down and help some folks sandbag. So we got in his little Mazda and we drove around all over um, the area looking for sandbag places to fill sandbags with shovels and Finally found a place. And as we got there, you could see neighbors joining around the, the spotlights where there were sand and bags and shovels and people were filling and, 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 and tossing and then getting them onto a pallet and then a bobcat would come and grab those sandbags and move them to the dike and, and dump them where they needed to be. Everybody seemed to be working in unison except one gal. She showed up wearing workout clothes that aren't workout clothes. You guys know the ones I'm talking about. They've never seen a drop of sweat ever. They usually have rhinestones. Lots and lots of rhinestones. And she, she's a young gal and she comes down and, and she begins saying, Oh, we just got back from Mexico. So... We had to cut our vacation short. It's your house. She's talking about herself and her neighbors are heaving sandbags and they're looking at her and they're rolling their eyes. She's like, what should I do? 
And so I preached a one-word sermon to her. Catch! And she caught the bag. And for the first time ever, those workout clothes got some dirt on them. She broke a nail. And for the next two hours, she loved her neighbors by heaving sandbags and saving her neighborhood and letting her neighbors know that she was with them in a time where everyone was nervous and everybody was scared. Folks, you and I are called to love. Jesus asks you and me, do you love me? And, and, and however we respond, he says, I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to live a life of loving service. I want you, Jesus says, to live a life of love. And I want you to follow me. Amen. Let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you and I praise you for your son Jesus who gave of himself for us. Heavenly Father, help us to love as he did so many people will know your cross, your forgiveness, and the promise of resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen.